Hey, everybody, you're listening to A New Beginning, which is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners. If this program has impacted you, I'd love to hear from you. So just send an email to me at greg at harvest.org. Again, it's greg at harvest.org. You can learn more about becoming a Harvest Partner by going to harvest.org. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie says, choose carefully what you live for. It affects your legacy and the hereafter. If you say for me to live is money, then for you one day to die is to leave it all behind. If you say for me to live is fame, then one day for you to die is going to be that you'll be forgotten. If you say to me to live is power, then I'm telling you one day to die will be for you to lose it all. But if you say to live is Christ, then you can also say to die is gain. Americans are more than $15 trillion in debt. That's trillion with a T. And what is credit exactly? It's borrowing tomorrow's money to pay for today. It's a stark picture of how our culture wants to live in the moment. But today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that mindset can get us into a world of trouble on the spiritual level. We'll take a few moments to consider what we're living for, and we'll see where that leads us when it comes to eternity. We're looking at the book of Philippians. And the theme that keeps bubbling up to this great epistle is happiness and joy. In fact, this is probably the most buoyant, happy letter that Paul ever wrote. Not that there is not happiness and joy in other epistles he wrote, but it just seems like there's a lot in this one in particular. At least 19 times in these four chapters of Philippians, Paul mentions joy, rejoicing, or gladness. But yet circumstantially, he really had nothing to rejoice about. I mean, if we read that Paul wrote this book, you know, kicking back, you know, in the Mediterranean, enjoying life, we'd say, well, yeah, I get it. But he actually wrote this under house arrest. This wasn't as bad as some of his imprisonment where he might have been like in a dungeon. But this is where he was chained to a Roman guard. Uh, and he was under the control at this point of Caesar Nero. And, and his case was waiting to go to court. And Paul had no idea what was about to happen. He might be acquitted. He might be beheaded. But all he knew was he was a prisoner. He could not walk about freely as he wanted to. And if that wasn't bad enough, some of the believers in the church were against them. Some were even spreading lies about this great apostle. But he knew God was in control. And here's what he wrote. Philippians 1.21, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Oh, I love that. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. But I live on in the flesh. That will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I'm hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. 
that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Like again at verse 21, for me to live is Christ. Now when we hear someone say for me to live is Christ, we wonder, you know, are these people in touch with reality, really? To live is Christ? I mean, what does it even mean? Some will say, well, you know, some are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And, and my counterpoint to that is some are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. And I think when you're really heavenly minded, when you're really living for Christ, you will be of the greatest earthly good. You see, real spirituality is practical. You'll have your feet on the ground, but your heart and your thoughts will be in heaven. And I think Paul is an example of this in so many ways. I mean, there's no greater example of this than Jesus himself. You know, Jesus was a practical man. He was God in human form walking among us, but Jesus lived a real life on planet Earth. He was a real living human being, but he was God walking among us. So Paul is saying to live is Christ. And that was pretty much not just Paul's motto, but I think the motto of pretty much everyone in the early church. This is the church that changed the world and I pray that we could be the church that changes our world as well. Paul lived for Christ and he cared about the church. Look at verse 23. I am hard pressed between the two having the desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better but it's important for me to remain in the flesh for you. Yeah, he wanted to help them. But notice what he says. He says, having the desire to depart with Christ, which is far better. Listen to this. Death for a Christian is something that's going to happen, as it will happen for every person. But Paul understood that when death came, and it did come for him, it was a conscious existence, not an unconscious oblivion. It was to be with Christ, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. In other words, he was not gonna just go into a grave. It was the continuation of life, not the conclusion of life. And that life ahead was a greater and better life. Death for the believer is a promotion. Death for the believer is a graduation. Death for the believer is a coronation. When you live for Christ, you're not afraid to die. Again, only the person who has said to live is Christ can then say to die is gain. It's interesting the word that Paul uses here for departing when he says I have a desire to depart and be with Christ. It's translated multiple ways. One way it's translated is to strike the tent. It was a term used to describe what soldiers did. You know, they'd set up camp and then when it was time to leave they would strike the tent, sort of like when you go camping. Of course, camping's a lot more sophisticated now than it used to be. Some might use tents, but you know, some have motorhomes, and a motorhome is, you know, some of these motorhomes are incredible. They have big flat screen TVs on the outside, you know. They have everything that you have in a regular home, and they just go park it and kind of do that thing, and they say they're camping. I don't know if it's really camping. But maybe you'll set up a fire, you know, and then it's time to leave and you'll, you'll extinguish the fire and you move on to your next campsite. But, you know, for me, I'm not a huge camper. I, I've never loved camping that much. I, my, it's sort of like camping to me is very similar to going to the beach. My favorite part of camping is getting there and then the next favorite part is leaving, you know. <laughs> it's really exciting. Oh, we're camping. And then it gets cold and, and 
I want to go home. I want a hot shower. I want clean clothes, you know. Or going to the beach. The best part of going to the beach is when you arrive. Oh, it's the beach and the sun is out and, and the waves are looking good and it's fantastic and nobody's here and I just love the beach. An hour later, you're sweating. Somebody comes and puts their towel right next to you. When there's like miles around, they're right next to you. And they crank up their radio, really obnoxious music. Seagulls start invading, taking things, taking your lunch, flying off with your children. You know, it's just, you say, I want to go. So Paul says, you know what, I'm going to break camp. I'm going to strike the tent. That's the word he uses here for departing. It's interesting because the Bible does compare the human body to a tent. See, your soul will live forever. And your body will one day be resurrected into a perfected state. But when a believer dies, their body, the body we live in now goes into the ground, but then it's ultimately resurrected, but the soul goes immediately into the presence of God. But it's interesting that the Bible does call our body a tent. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 says, uh, we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave these bodies, we'll have a home in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself. Now look, you can do all that you want with this tent you live in. You can stretch it and you can paint it and you can do other things to try to make it look younger, but it is what it is, okay? And it's not meant to be a permanent dwelling place. Uh, it's temporary. So that is the very picture used in Scripture. Another way the word departure is translated is being released from shackles. And when Paul wrote this, he was in shackles. He was chained to a Roman guard. So it's like being released from those shackles. Number three, the word is also used to describe untying a boat from its moorings. Untying a boat from its moorings. So Paul is saying, hey, I'm ready to set sail. You know, when a loved one leaves us, especially if it's unexpectedly, there's great sadness. And sometimes we feel sorry for them. We may have a fun experience, a great meal, a family reunion, whatever it is. We'll say, oh, I, I just wish my loved one was with me right now, seeing this right now. I wish they could be here. They'd love it so much. Do you ever wonder and think if your loved one is in heaven thinking, man, I wish they could be up here with me right now seeing what I'm seeing. I guarantee no one who has gone to heaven would ever want to come back to earth again if given the choice. Because heaven is so much better and I'll touch on that in just a moment. But untying a boat from its moorings, that is the picture that he used. In just a moment, Pastor Greg gives us a strong glimpse inside heaven from our text today in Philippians. Be sure to stay tuned. Hey everybody, what are you doing this weekend? I'd like to hang out with you at Harvest at Home. What is Harvest at Home? It is a time of worship and Bible study exclusively designed for people that are viewing in from all over the place. So you can be a part of our extended congregation at Harvest at Home. Join us this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, for Harvest at Home at harvest.org. Well, we're getting a more eternal view of life from Pastor Greg today by way of his message called, What Do You Live For? from Philippians chapter 1. Let's continue now. When you live for Christ, one day you'll be with Him in heaven. Look at verse 23. I want to depart and be with Christ. 
which is far better. And by the way, that's a strong superlative form that Paul uses, which means far, far, far better. Much, much better. Or to put it in sort of uh, local speak in Hawaii, mo better bra. It's mo better bra. It's way, way better than what you have here. We want to go to heaven. We just don't want to die to get there, right? I heard about an old man who was asked what he wanted said at his funeral. He thought about it for a moment and said, I wish they would say, look, he's moving. You know, as in, <laughs> you're still alive, right? What do you want said at your funeral? Well, why is heaven better than earth? It's better because I'm moving from a tent to a mansion. I'm moving from a tent to a mansion. How many of you remember the TV show, The Beverly Hillbillies? You're all very old. Some of you, many of you don't. How many of you remember it? Raise your hand again. I say, okay, a lot more of you. How many of you have no idea who I mean when I say The Beverly Hillbillies? Raise your hand. Okay, well, this was a show on a long time ago. And, uh, you know, it's a story of Jed Clampett and his family, and, and they uh, discover oil, and so they move to Beverly Hills, that is. Swimming pools, movie stars. So that, that's, those are the lyrics. But I like that. You know, he loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly. That's what we'll do. We'll leave our broken down shack for a mansion far better than even Beverly Hills. Heaven's better because it's immediate. Heaven's better because it's immediate. Verse 23, I'll depart and be with Christ. That's very important because often people ask us, what happens when we die? You go straight to heaven. Simple answer. The moment you take your last breath on earth, you take your first breath in heaven. You don't go to a holding tank. You did not say, I'll depart and just kind of hang out for you know, a few hundred years. Or I'll depart and go to purgatory. Or I'll depart and go to a soul sleep. No, I'll depart and be with Christ. You go right into the presence of Jesus Christ. Many verses affirm this. Second Corinthians 5.8 says, We're confident and I say, we're rather willing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Thirdly, heaven is better than earth because all my questions will be answered. All my questions will be answered. We all have questions in life. I heard about a, a mother who had some questions. She invited a bunch of people over to her house for dinner. Far too many. It was a lot more work than she thought it would be. But everyone was seated at the table. So she asked her little six-year-old daughter if she would say the blessing. A little girl said, well, mommy, I don't know what to say. And she said, well, just say what you hear mommy say. So the little girl bowed her head and said, Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people here to dinner? <laughs> she heard mommy say that. <laughs> I'm sure we have more profound questions than that for God. God, where were you in this day? God, why did you let this happen? God, why didn't you let that happen? I have questions for God, we all do. I really wonder if when I get to heaven, I'll, I'll have my list. Lord, it's good to be here, but I have this list. <laughs> I kind of think once I see him, I'll just say, never mind. <laughs> it's all good, very good. But uh, we'll know all things in that day. First Corinthians thirteen twelve says, Right now we see him perfectly as in a poor mirror, but then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just that God knows me now. And I believe that when I get to heaven, 
I'll spend all eternity learning and learning. I don't think it's like God dumps all this knowledge into my brain. I'd be like some weird bobblehead, you know, just huge head, little body walking around. No, I think you're learning and learning and growing and discovering all through heaven and then ultimately when heaven comes down to earth again. This, this is the hope of the Christian and only the Christian. And lastly, heaven is better because I'll be with Christ. Be with Christ. I'll be with Him. Yes, you'll be reunited with loved ones that have preceded you. Yes, all of your questions will be answered. Yes, you'll trade in your tent for a mansion. Yes, it'll be so much better on every level, but yes, you will be with Christ and that's what makes heaven heaven. So wrapping this up, what do you live for? If you say for me to live is money, then for you one day to die is to leave it all behind. If you say for me to live is fame, then one day for you to die is going to be that you'll be forgotten. If you say to me to live is power, then I'm telling you one day to die will be for you to lose it all. But if you say to live is Christ, then you can also say to die is gain. What do you live for? You live for something. <laughs> you live for something. It gets you up in the morning, that fires you up. But that's something or that's someone that you live for Will they be able to save you in the final day? See, when you live for Christ, it's win-win. It's win-win. Why? Because you have heaven, guaranteed absolute heaven. But this life on earth is life lived to its fullest. The Christian life is the best life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. So he wants to give you a happy, fulfilled, joyful, purposeful meaningful life on planet earth and then the absolute assurance that there's an afterlife for you in his presence in heaven. But if you've not believed in Jesus, this is not promised to you. Heaven is not the default destination of every human being. The only way you can know you're going to heaven is to get your reservation. You know, if I wanted to go fly to Tahiti, I can't just go down to LAX and board a plane going to Tahiti and take some seat and expect to get there. I can expect to be arrested because I have to buy a ticket and then I have to wait to board and then I have to take my seat and all that. And so in the same way, if you want to go to heaven, you need to get a ticket, but you don't buy it with your own money and you don't buy it with your good works. God bought you the ticket already. 2,000 years ago when Jesus died for your sin. And he'll give you the ticket, but you have to ask for it. It's a gift. The Bible says, for as many as received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. It's just like if I were to offer someone here this Bible. Here, I want you to have this. If you want this Bible, you have to reach out and take it and hopefully say, thank you. God's saying, look, I want to give you eternal life. It's here, I paid for it. You can't earn it, but I'll give it to you. So you reach out and say, I'd like that, Lord. Thank you very much. And Jesus will forgive you of all of your sin and give you the hope and the assurance that you'll go to heaven when you die if you'll believe in him. You say, well, how do you do that? Through prayer. And I'm going to extend an invitation to any of you that have joined us who may not have this relationship with Jesus yet. You've been living for other things and it's been a dead-end street, hasn't it? living for that pleasure, living for that possession, living for that accomplishment. It hasn't delivered, has it? Newsflash, it never will. But God will. 
do everything he promised for you. But you must believe in him. So we're gonna pray. And if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, why don't you do it right now? Let's all bow our heads. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and taking the judgment of your Father upon yourself that should have come on us for our sins. But then you rose again from the dead three days later and now you stand at the door of every human heart and you knock and you say to us, if we'll hear your voice and open the door, you'll come in. I pray for any that are here, any that are listening, that do not yet know you. Help them to come to you and believe now, we pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important invitation today. And if you'd like to make a change in your relationship with the Lord, Pastor Greg will help you do that in just a moment. And if you would, be in prayer right now for those who are making this kind of decision. Well, Pastor Greg, we're so excited that your new film, Jesus Revolution, is coming out very soon. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's the story of Greg and Kathy Laurie, how the two of you met and began dating, set against the backdrop of the Jesus movement of the late 60s and early 70s. It's how you both came to the Lord. Yes. It's a great opportunity to bring a friend who needs to meet Christ. But as we invite a friend to come see Jesus' revolution, what should we say to them? Do we need to prepare them, you know, tell them a little bit about the movie? Do we need to share the gospel with them beforehand? Or or do we just sort of take them in cold turkey, as it were? I just take them in cold turkey. The movie does all the heavy lifting. The movie unfolds in a powerful way. And it's it doesn't feel like a typical Christian movie. I'll put that in quotes. Because there are things that happen that you're thinking, wow, because it's a very honest movie. It's based on a true story. So it shows the search of a young Greg Laurie and Kathy Laurie, young kids, going looking for truth in all the wrong places, looking to drugs, other things, not finding it, the emptiness of all that. And it shows it in real time, and it unfolds the story. It also tells the story of two unlikely people coming together, a, a pastor, of a church named Chuck Smith, a, a hippie evangelist named Lonnie Frisbee, and the result of them coming together resulted in a spiritual awakening called the Jesus Movement. But there's some real human emotions and, and powerful scenes that you will see where conflict and resolution of conflict, Greg taking care of his mother, uh, who was an alcoholic and would go from bar to bar and pass out every night. It shows the struggles of the young boy uh, later searching for himself and not looking in the right places, but ultimately finding his way to Jesus Christ. And so I think that the, just let the movie do its thing, to use 60s vernacular, <laughs> and, and just take him to the film. And and then afterwards, you'll have some amazing conversations. That's when you'd share the gospel. Hmm. All right. Well, you know, most of us have friends, coworkers, family members who would never go to church with us. That's just a closed door. But they would go to see a movie with us. And what a great film to help them see the hope of the gospel in a whole new light. You know what? It's taken us over 30 years to reach 6 million people through our large-scale Harvest Crusades. But this film is projected to be seen by some 10 million people this year alone. 
It's such an important opportunity to share our faith. And you know, that's a responsibility God has given each one of us as believers. So plan to take a friend with you to see Jesus' revolution. And if you can help us continue to reach out with the gospel, we want to say thanks by sending you Pastor Greg's book, also called Jesus' Revolution. The subtitle is How God Transformed an Unlikely Generation and How He Can Do It Again Today. That's our goal, to see another spiritual awakening. So get in touch with your donation and ask for the book, Jesus' Revolution. Our number is 1-800-821-3300. We can take your call anytime. Again, 1-800-821-3300. Or write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or go online to harvest.org. Well, Pastor Greg, a few moments ago, you spoke of the need to get our hearts right with God. Uh, Could you help someone who wants to do that very thing right now? Yes, I'd be delighted to. Listen, as you've listened to this program today, maybe something's been happening inside of your heart where you're sensing, I need to do this personally, but how do I do it and what do I do? Let me help you. It's very simple. In fact, it's so simple you may be shocked. God, this relationship with him is just a prayer away. The Bible says, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer where you do just that. You call on the name of the Lord. This can be the moment where you change your eternal address, literally from hell to heaven. Just pray these words, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner But I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead. Jesus, I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In your name I pray. Amen. I know. It's such a simple, short prayer. But you just called on the name of the Lord. And you know what? He heard that prayer. And if you meant that prayer in your heart, he answered that prayer. Now let me help you to get started on the right foot in your new life in Jesus Christ. The greatest adventure awaits you, the life of walking with God. I want to send you what we call a New Believer's Growth Pack that includes a New Believer's Bible and a whole lot more. And let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. Yeah, and to get that free New Believer's Growth Pack, Just ask for it if you've prayed along with Pastor Greg to receive Christ today. We'll be glad to send one your way. Call us at 1-800-821-3300. We can take your call anytime. That's 1-800-821-3300. Write us at A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or go online to harvest.org and click the words, Know God. Well, next time, Pastor Greg points out that the way to find happiness is not by looking out for number one. We'll see selflessness, not selfishness, is the way to find real happiness. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. The preceding podcast was made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn how to become a Harvest Partner, sign up for daily devotions, and find resources to help you grow in your faith at harvest.org.